you believe in something this morning? Why don't you believe in a church? Why don't you believe in the glory of dominion that God gave us the power to build a building on a hill that stands for something in the community? That we're not afraid to stand up for what we believe in and tell the lawmakers and the rulers in this nation and every other nation in the world, Jesus Christ is the Son of God and He's coming back and you better repent of your sins or you're going to answer for them. And God cares about this building and He cares about the churches that sprinkle the landscape of this nation. And if you go to Europe today, you'll see cathedral after cathedral that were beautiful and they're empty. And if we don't get right in this nation, that's going to happen. Look around you at the sloth. Look at the empty pews. Look at the big gaps. They didn't want to hear the truth. Believe in something today. Welcome to Beyond the Walls with Pastor Kerry Gordon of Cornerstone World Outreach in Sioux City, Iowa. Check out our website at beyondthewallsradio.com. Thank you for tuning in. Enjoy the sermon. But we're talking about grace, extra ecclesium nullis salus. Outside the church, there is no salvation. So it's very, very important that you have a proper relationship to the body of Christ. It can't just be all about you privately and personally. This is a terrible, terrible myth that people have bought into. It's just about me and Jesus. No, it's not because it was never just about Jesus. It was never just about Jesus. It was about what his father wanted. And so, I mean, the very first step of being a Christian is it stops being all about you. But we've really messed up the whole idea of what it means to be a Christian and made it all about us. No, it's not about just about you. It's about all the other people in the room and how God wants to use you to help them. It's just a paradigm change. And so we get into the, we've looked at Adam and Eve. God created the instinct to have dominion and he created the instinct to reproduce. We've talked about how those two issues, the sexual instinct and the property instinct, are connected by design since creation and there's no way to disconnect them. That the reason that whole nations have economic problems is directly related to the welfare state. It's because when family breaks down, uh, the word economy means house management. And so the basis of any economy, any economist will tell you this, the foundation of any economy in the world is how individual homes manage themselves, right? So the smallest component of a national economy is how do American families function monetarily? Well, there's a reason for that. It goes back to the book of Genesis. Adam owned everything, property, ownership, then he had the power to reproduce himself, which mean there, means there was going to be other people. And then you had to figure out how to share what Adam owned and create a, a pathway for other people, you know, eventually tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of other people, to find a just, honorable pathway toward earning the right to say that some property belonged to them. And so sexual power and the desire to possess and own things are connected eternally. And so we've, we've discussed dominion. We've really just tapped into it just a little bit. And I, I made, a, made it a point to distinguish between generosity and dominion last week. 
And I want to continue with those thoughts because I want you to understand that generosity and dominion work together, but they are different. You can't really ever experience God's will for you, which is that you personally, your first and last name, you, God wants you to take dominion and subdue the earth. That was his original plan in the Garden of Eden. Nothing has changed. He never said at any point after Adam and Eve said, oh, I changed my mind. Don't take dominion. Don't, don't subdue the earth. Uh, don't do, no. In fact, if anything, the original plan was enhanced by the Lord Jesus Christ. So the only way to really understand the new great commission of the New Testament, you know the great commission. Jesus says, go into all the world and preach the gospel, discipling nations, right? That's the great commission. We, we're familiar with that. That's our marching orders as a church. Well, I have taught this before, but I will mention it briefly and move on. You really cannot understand the New Testament great commission unless you view it through the original Great Commission, which was given in the book of Genesis when God the Father looked at a sinless Adam and Eve and he said to them, I want you to subdue the earth and I want you to take dominion. I want you to replenish the earth. I want you to have children. So in the New Testament, the Great Commission, where we emphasize naturally Uh, expanding the church and getting people born a second time, you have to understand that's a building block upon the foundation of you need to spread out across the earth and get people born the first time. So the New Testament Great Commission includes married couples need to be having babies. We need to be having children in our families. We should thank God for the privilege of having babies born in our homes. It is a blessing from the Lord. It is a gift from God. And it is a part of the Great Commission in the New Testament, beginning with a husband and a wife shall leave and cleave. They have the urge to merge, and they shall have children. A society that stops having children and a church that discourages it is a church and a society filled with materialism that is dying. Right now, what we see happening in Europe is the birth rate in Europe of white people that live in their own nations, geographically speaking, Spaniards, you know, Irishmen, the Scotch, people that live in um, probably Estonia, some of the edges of Europe, some of these Latvia, Baltic nations, France, England, the birth rate for white couples is somewhere around 1.23. So when a man and a woman get married, they have, you know, one to two children, and it averages out to be 1.23 when you look at the population. Meanwhile, uh, the Islamic people, who ironically are exercising dominion over the earth, doing all the things Christians refuse to do, they are having 10 to 12 per couple. Doesn't take long before, you know, mathematicians will tell you that Europe has basically reached a point, barring a plague or some kind of bubonic thing that hits Europe like it did in the dark ages, with rates like this, it is unrecoverable. Which is to say that, you know, if you just look at the math, the dark news that Europe 
refuses to acknowledge and doesn't admit is a problem is that it is now the, the birth rates are so off that within the next 100 years all of Europe will be completely controlled by Islam by sheer population rates well this kind of damaging horror happens when a once Christian Europe rejects the Great Commission when a once Christian Europe begins to screw up the Great Commission thinking that it's somehow completely disassociated from the original marching orders that God the Father gave in the book of Genesis so when we talk about grace the Bible tells us in the New Testament that a husband and a wife are heirs together of the grace of life can you say amen then the apostle remember he said that in the context of marriage saying that this beautiful thing between a man and a woman this institution that God designed from creation where a man and a woman have the urge to merge they love each other they make babies together this is a parallel of the church so think of it in simple terms a husband and a wife get people born the first time the church gets them born the second time people need to get born again so a full understanding of our purpose as a church a full understanding of the Great Commission requires that we first of all honor and respect marriage we understand what marriage is about that marriage is about two things fundamentally what is it about the same two things it was in the Garden of Eden your marriage I want you to personalize this your experience with your husband or your wife this morning in church if you're married and you know it clap your hands and put your hand up if you're married look at look around okay personalize it listen to me the purpose of your marriage is connected to two things the desire in your heart that is godly to possess and own property you should be looking for avenues if you're following the plan of God to get away from a rental mentality and get into the land of ownership can you say amen there is nothing wrong with renting as long as you don't stay there renting is a good first step when you're young we rented for a couple of years when we were first married it was the most practical thing for us to do financially it is okay to rent but listen to me you need to be asking the Lord to show you the pathway toward ownership you need to own God would have it that you would not just own property but he also wants you to do what to have children God wants you to reproduce yourself so that after you're gone you have left something in the world to carry on the vision and the knowledge and the wisdom of Christ that you pass successfully to them if you do not know how to do that and if you do not know how to be a godly biblical parent then you should be actively pursuing someone who has demonstrated it before you and in front of you and ask them can you say amen it's important that along with the biological ability to make babies you have the intellectual capacity to raise them that you do a good job and don't be terrible at it we don't want your babies to grow up screwed up because you were such a, a terrible parent so understanding how to parent is also a part of the Great Commission we can't fulfill the obligations we have before our Creator to replenish the world with what screwed up people now what was his plan replenish the world with righteousness 
And so part of making sure that we replenish the world with righteousness is ensuring that we're rearing our children to live righteously. Parenting is essential to fulfilling your obligations to the Lord Jesus Christ in the Great Commission. Amen. This is very important. So our marriages are for having children and for obtaining and possessing things. Now here's the danger. In the Garden of Eden, after sin happened, Adam would not do dominion on behalf of God. After sin came, Adam did not want to have children on behalf of God. What did Adam succeed in doing? How was his parenting when he turned his back from God and resented getting in trouble for disobedience? What did Adam, he blamed his wife. Well, you gave me that. He blamed his wife and then he really blamed God for giving him a wife. So the blaming started and he did not do what God said. He would not take dominion on behalf of God. He would not replenish the world with righteous children on behalf of God. He began taking dominion for himself and having babies for himself. What happened to the world? It filled up with what? Unrighteous children. So unrighteous, so horrible, that God the Father had to intervene in history through the flood of Noah and literally drown everyone except Noah and his family. Your obligations before God as a husband and wife have not changed. You are to have children and make sure that they grow up honorable, righteous people that honor God. And you're to do everything the Bible commands you to do as a mother or a father to see that that happens. This is all foundational to having the credibility, listen to me, of being able to then spin around in the community where you live and then allow the grace of God to so shine from you to then get other people born a second time. You're listening to Beyond the Walls with Pastor Kerry Gordon of Cornerstone World Outreach in Sioux City, Iowa. Don't miss the conclusion of this sermon after these messages. Hello everyone, it's Pastor Kerry. You know, I remember a pivotal moment in American history and I sat and I watched this drama unfold in Florida concerning Terry Schiavo, who was this woman, she had gone on an extreme diet to lose weight and had lost consciousness. And the next thing you know, a few years later, they're literally euthanizing her in a nursing home. I was horrified when I watched that happen and it set me into a journey to discover and answer some questions that are very important, especially in the field of the political world. Should Christians, for example, simply submit to the possible consequences of decisions or should they make decisions exclusively based upon the Word of God? Now that sounds simple to ask that question and people flippantly answer it but you'll find that the answer is very clear in the Bible, and it's also very troubling to modern Christians. Very few Christians truly live out the correct answer to that question. Well, I've put together a cartoon series. It's a whiteboard project where I teach you through some steps of logic, 
and then had an artist in the church draw out the illustrations of what I'm trying to convey. It's really a remarkable thing, and it's free. All you have to do is go to the website to enjoy it, and I'll take you down the road of the journey I went on long ago answering that important question. Should Christians make decisions in life based exclusively on what God's Word says, or should they bow down to the threat of consequences? Because you realize sometimes when you make right decisions, there are very painful consequences. And here's where you need to go. I'll give you the website twice. Stepstopoliticalepiphany.com. That's Stepstopoliticalepiphany.com. Please enjoy the presentation. It could really change your life. Thank you for listening and God bless. Beyond the Walls with Pastor Kerry Gordon of Cornerstone World Outreach in Sioux City, Iowa. Check out our website at beyondthewallsradio.com. Thank you for tuning in. And so one of the reasons that the church of the living God, the real true church, godly, glorious people, are struggling to get people born the second time is they're not doing a very good job or have already utterly failed on getting people born the first time. And so there is a spirit of obedience when we honor the marriage institution because the husband and a wife are together heirs of the grace of life. And grace then flows in parenting. The Holy Spirit helps us know how to parent. It's so essential just to have a sensitivity to the voice of the Lord. I mean, if you got all the good advice in the world, and I've seen people do this. They read a lot of books and trying real hard to be good parents, but there's just this cutoff. But it just doesn't seem like they can discern. They can't break through and hear what God is saying. And you, you observe them, especially from a pastoral standpoint, because they come in and they say, this happened and this happened, and I did this. What, what should I have done? And you sit there, and honestly, there's times when you think, I just don't understand why you didn't know that you should have done it different. And it's because they aren't listening to the Holy Spirit. So you can read parenting books, and you should. I think that's a good idea, as long as it's written by people that are not pagans. If you read good, Holy Spirit-inspired parenting books, that's great. I'm all for it. But you must learn to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the ultimate parent. And he knows more than any book you're ever going to read. And if you'll just learn to listen to him and be careful... Be careful to obey him when you're in a, an inconvenient moment. It would be so much easier to not spank the child and not discipline them, but you, you just feel bumped by the Lord. Do it now. Get it. He knows there's consequences for missed opportunities. But if people would just listen to the Holy Spirit, he will help them navigate every child, and every child is different. But connected to the dominion of getting people born a second time, obviously, is that, that parents and husbands and wives should take the grace that God has given them to reproduce and make human beings the first time. And then God gives the church the grace. We get it from one another as we strengthen one another, as we build each other up when we come together on the first day of the week and God's heart beats and the blood flows. We're cleansed, we're strengthened, we're nourished. What happens? We inherit the grace of life to get people born a second time. I want you to 
I want you to allow the grace of God to flow to you, but then to get out of you. I want you to be able to take the grace that God gives you and release it into the culture where you live with the people that you're working with, with the neighbors that you know and the friendships that God gives you. I want you to learn to release that grace in a way that causes people to get born a second time. And it's connected, the effectiveness of it, is connected to the intimacy that you have in the local church. In the natural, biological intimacy creates life born once. In the spiritual, the, the connectivity, we, have it, we call them connect groups. We're, we, we're wanting you to connect better. We're wanting you to relate with one another better. We want you to let the grace of God flow sideways from you better, more fluidly, larger volumes of it because as you begin to get more and more intimacy with the heartbeat of God in the local church where he's planted you, you will begin through that intimacy to naturally reproduce yourself and get born again people around you. You help them get born again. Somebody say amen, that's good news. That means you're being fruitful. You're being fruitful. We're supposed to be fruitful and multiply and subdue the earth and replenish it. Well, connected, of course, to fruitfulness naturally is the issue of of economy. Uh, And Adam owned everything. He had babies. Then they had to learn how to share. And there had to be a just, before God, when we say just, a just way for other babies that grow up and become adults to obtain and own property because property instincts comes from God. So every baby born has got the same instinct to own and possess. There has to be a way. And frankly, if you look at it um, theoretically, capitalism is the biblical structure that comes from the scriptures that you earn what you obtain and then with the earning the just uh, uh, obtaining of property comes the right to defend it and this is borne out in the Ten Commandments thou shalt not steal in order for us to say you can't steal it is understood that others own things that don't belong to you it started in where in the Garden of Eden God said see that tree in the middle don't t- don't eat it do not eat of the fruit and so Father God was trying to teach proper dominion. I want you to possess the whole world. He just got done telling him that, except some things don't belong to you in the whole world. And so we have to teach our children that, and we have to watch ourselves as adults with our dominion instinct to obtain that we don't step over into greed. Greed is not right because it ignores the tree in the center of the garden where God said, don't eat. That's what greed is. Lust, lust is ignoring the tree in the center of the garden. You see the connection? Property issues were dealt with with the tree in the center of the garden. Don't eat from it. But then what does the scripture say? She looked at it and she saw that it was beautiful to her eye. There was also almost like a, a, a metaphorically speaking, a sexual problem with how they mishandled the tree in the middle of the garden. And that that lust of the eyes connected to the issue of property ownership, dominion and reproduction go hand in hand. You see, see how that works? So they were violating God's property going to the tree they weren't supposed to go to and they were lusting, lust of the eyes. Those two things are connected and we have to, we have to deal with both of them. So now we get to the issue of we have a culture, listen carefully, they're, they're connected. These are parallels. Our culture, husbands and wives don't want to have too many kids. 
Well, we want to have children. We just don't want to have too many. Now, I'm asking you to be a theologian for just a moment. Take your vast knowledge of the Scripture, every page you've ever read from the beginning to the end, and show me one place in all of the Bible where it says anywhere, even once, that it's possible to have too many children. Show me. Where, where is that? Where did you get that idea? I'm confronting something. I want you to listen to me. I know exactly where you got that idea. I'll tell you two things about it. One, you didn't get it from the Bible. Two, you got it from Satan. It is a wrong attitude. I'm going to say it again. I want every young couple listening, especially you want to get married or you just got married. Listen, I want to have kids. I just don't want to have too many. Where did you get that idea? You did not get it from the Bible. It's not there. Defend it. Show me the verse. Show me one spot. That's a big book. It should have said it at least once, right? If it's a legitimate concern, at least one time, maybe even just in a poem, it should have just alluded to the possibility that you could have too many children. Now stay with me because I'm going to show you something. A generation of Christians, and I don't think I'm out of line to say, I'm going to, I like to do this, I'm going to grab a percentage, and I think it's right on. I could probably go dig it up and find it and back myself up later. 90% of the church thinks exactly how I just said. I want to have children, I just don't want to have too many. You're thinking like a pagan. You are not honoring the Great Commission, whether it be Genesis or Jesus. That is not biblical. Secondly, may I point out to you that there is another, um, wow, how could it be connected? There's another problem in the body of Christ today. You know what it is? Hardly anybody's getting born a second time. Could it be? Listen to me. It's a rhetorical question. I know the answer. Could it be that the attitude that says to itself in marriage and matrimony, well, I don't want to have too many children, is also the same generation getting virtually no one born again a second time. It is connected because it's disobedience to the spirit of the Great Commission. How many of you are really, really offended already and you're thinking, I wish I had gone to the user-friendly church this morning because this is very uncomfortable? Preach it. Good. Who said that? All right. It was a Rosner. A Rosner said preach it. And quite seriously, I would like to honor the Rosner parents. Give them a hand. And I would also think it has been very, a very good example for Brian and Alice before the whole congregation. They have, now some of you, I know, you're, I know what you're thinking, it's too late, man, I'm, I'm 80. Well, I want you to understand that the attitude's got to be adjusted. And the last thing I want you to do is wallow in self-pity and, oh, they always make me feel so bad when I go to church. I don't want you to feel bad, I just want you to repent. I want you to get the attitude fixed. If you can't have kids anymore and you're old and you look back and think, boy, but we, we blew it, we blew it. We had, you know, two kids and we had that pagan ad. I don't want to have too many kids. Well, you did blow it. You did. You blew it. And you can't go back and change it, but here's what you can change. 
You can ask him to forgive you, and he will. He'll forgive you. It'll be as if you didn't do it. You can say, I'm going to make it up to you now, and I want you to use me to get people born a second time. And God will honor that too, and he'll give you opportunities. And through the intimacy that you develop in the body of Christ, he will show you and guide you in how to get people born a second time. Somebody say amen. This has been Beyond the Walls with Pastor Kerry Gordon of Cornerstone World Outreach in Sioux City, Iowa. God himself blew on his tree so that there would be a light. Check out our website at beyondthewallsradio.com. Extra Ecclesium Nulla Salus. There is no salvation outside of the church. Thank you for tuning in. 